Our movie this week is Caddyshack, released August 14th, 1980, bringing in a box office of, to this date, $39,846,344, which frankly seems low. Yeah, a pittance of what it's worth. (laughs) Exactly. Starring Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, Ted Knight, and Bill Murray. All of those are the above the line actors. And then a whole bunch of people who went on to do basically nothing else. Uh, Written by Brian Doyle Murray, Harold Ramis, and Douglas Kenny, and directed by Harold Ramis. This was, by the way, Harold Ramis's first directing gig, uh, having written Animal House and Meatballs prior to this. And then he went on to write Stripes and Ghostbusters and write and direct Groundhog Day and analyze this, analyze that, uh, among others. Uh, The plot is described as an exclusive golf course has to deal with a brash new member and a destructive dancing gopher. That's the whole description. (laughs) That's the whole description, which which actually contains a a clear inaccuracy. Right. Yeah, it's... uh he would never be a member of this club. That's right, basically. So to describe it as a member is a bit bit much. But that's the official description, by the way, on... on uh, yeah, it's amazing IMDb. how little money this movie did. And, you know, the demise of Doug Kenny, who was the founder of National Lampoon out of Harvard, wrote right. um, Animal House. I'm sorry, right. I was yeah. going brain dead there. <laughs> Super success out of Animal House. Apparently, they shot this film after two rejected ideas. One about neo-Nazis in <laughs> Skokie, Illinois. <laughs> Which end up making it into the Blues Brothers. Yes. Yes. There is that idea there. But yeah, it's funny. Um, such a foundational movie for me. I would say this oh, is yeah. the most quotable movie of all time. Which is, kind of was the foundation of this whole, let's do this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Because... It's just, it really is a movie quoter's first love. And I would watch it over and over on summer TV, you know, the edited version with friends. And friends and I would just say this stuff to us, each other, all the time. Yeah. It would be, you know, from the very opening line about how many Cokes the kid was eating to, you know, the who stepped on a duck line. I mean, it's just, there's literally, I could go through every word and upon rewatching it just recently, I was like, Oh, I can't write every single bit of dialogue. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Which is how we're keeping this to the, to the agreed upon time of 21, 22 minutes. Correct. But, but there's a bonus. This is (laughs) our, uh, this is our four part mini series. That's right. Our thorn birds, our thorn birds, if you will. Um, (laughs) Again, as a 12-year-old, and so this first episode will focus mostly on Al Chervik, which is the Rodney Dangerfield character. Um, and as a 12-year-old, upon first watching it, yet you're dr- immediately drawn to this super obnoxious, plaid-jacketed, rich guy, but has no couth, no right. you know, shine. Just A true Israelite in whom there is no guile, Yes, if, uh, <laughs> if the Lord were describing him. He's he, the Nathaniel of the film. Yes, that. well, I'm not sure... You're probably the only one in all of history to describe it that way. But, uh, you know, this is another Dave Kenny slobs versus the snobs uh, to follow up Animal House. And apparently in the background, his father, if you watch this sort of mockumentary documentary about his life, his father was a tennis pro at a club and he never liked the way the members treated his father as a second class citizen. Sure. And so that was his father's big push to get his son to Harvard was based on being around all these people that he wanted his son to be like. So, of course, the slobs win. 
um, and there's an interesting, I think, back and forth between who's considered, you know, slob or underdog. Like, I mean, there clearly are people in this movie with a ton of resources who are not, you know, treated as if they're underlings, but they're also not the snob side. Right. Within the class system, there's still class. Yeah. You know, even within the within the strata. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and again, upon reading a little bit of trivia about the it, camps. there's <laughs> there are billions of pages of, you know, probably who could tell if any of this is real, but this is what the internet tells us. Right. But uh, Dave Kenny intended it to be way more caddy centric because he and Brian Doyle Murray were at times caddies in right. their life and bill murray too i believe and so a lot of this is based on real life stories of brian doyle murray's experience as a caddy and and the the murray family had like eight children which contributes to the opening scene right there um brian doyle murray's brother ed actually went to college on a scholarship and won the tournament and won the tournament danny noonan wins yeah yeah so i mean there are much like uh, a lot of these films that we've talked about there are the real life experiences that play into it harold ramus when playing golf once hit a guy in the testicles uh and so that makes it into it too um but uh yeah. yeah you know it's funny so what I love about the movie and the characters I hold dear and quotable were not the emphasis of the movie as originally written or cut. Right. Right. They were focused more on the, the kids' stories and, you know, the Denunzio who makes plenty of appearances and just, it was mostly supposed to be about caddies. Right. But once they shot it and the studio got a hold of it, they had to put the stars up front. And so you develop bigger characters like Bill Murray, who was originally Carl Spackler, supposed to be a silent character. Um, and we'll talk more about that in the Carl Spackler edition. Right, of this. right. So so we should actually explain that. You mentioned we're going to do a four-part miniseries on this. Yes. We're going to look at the film through four different characters and then their interactions and, and what they bring. So- Al Chervik is episode one. Al Chervik is episode one. So we can jump on that bandwagon right away. I love it. So let's do it. Al Chervik, again, is the first guy that stands out. He's the obnoxious, rich guy, which Al Chervik then goes on to play Back to School. Exactly. He plays uh, Thornton Mellon in Back to School. And again, it's this idea of a rags to riches guy because Al Chervik, the character, is a uh, is a construction mogul, yeah. a real real estate mogul, a Donald Trumpish kind of guy, except yeah. except uh, with a little more, more couth. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I mean, I think we can we can actually see that through through his eyes with one of his quotes. He says, "Country clubs and cemeteries are the biggest wasters of prime real estate." He says, and it's just most of his lines now. All of this comes from Rodney Dangerfield, the guy, the comedian. He had never acted in a movie prior to this. Right. And as a matter of fact, the story is told that he had no clue how movies were made such that in his first scene, which takes place in the pro shop, Harold Ramis, the director, says action and Rodney Dangerfield does nothing. And so he says action again and nothing. And eventually, Rodney, go yeah, ahead. eventually he says, do your bit, do your bit. <laughs> exactly. And so from the rest of the movie, instead of calling action for Rodney, they say, do your bit, do your which bit. is 
which is perfectly <laughs> exactly. But like they cast him based on his appearances on Johnny Carson. And if you've ever seen Rodney Dangerfield on Johnny Carson, I mean, Johnny Carson is literally doubled over the entire time laughing. And Rodney's just continuing to pile it on. Right. Which so is one liners, which was another part of the issue with Rodney. He thought he was bombing. He felt like right. because nobody was responding in the way that they would in the Johnny Carson audience yeah. or things like that, because that's not what actors on a set do. Right. And then they would yell cut and everybody would burst out into laughter. But he didn't <laughs> understand. He thought, oh, my God, I'm doing so terribly. Yeah. But, and yet uh, his lines are really are the best. Yeah. Well, and, you're, and in, they come nonstop. Oh, yeah. I mean, just you can't say them all, although no. I would like to try. Right. Um, and you're introduced to him just in the most outlandish way. He's wearing these striped pants that look like fruit stripe gum wrapper. Right. Um, and he comes walking in with this awful jacket and says to his friend Wang, who is clearly like, I mean, they're clearly an investor, you know, it's, they've sort of camped that up a little bit, but he says, and again, this is a kid. I'm a kid from the Midwest. I don't understand anything about some people being excluded from certain clubs. We just didn't have country clubs. (laughs) And so right. he says to Wang, who is clearly Chinese, says to him, hey, Wang, I think this club's exclusive. Don't tell him you're Jewish. <laughs> and that sounded so funny at the time, but I had no idea that yeah. Jewish people would be excluded from anything. I, right. Why would you? you Which know? is interesting because that then lays the groundwork for the class kind of warfare that takes place through the rest of the film. And again, it's a tossed off line. Right. He just throws it out there and uh, he is setting himself up for saying, I don't care, you know, just we'll just keep this under the covers, but I don't care who includes us or wants us. They're going to love us at the end of the <laughs> right, day. Right. And they do. But he rolls into that. That's again, that's your first introduction to him. And he is the character you instantly love because he rolls in and says, hey, and it's a, now it's the most classic scene of all time. The obnoxious rich guy. I'll have five of those, six of those. Ooh, I'll get a box of those naked lady tees. Give me a set of those orange balls. And he just starts running through everything. And he gets to the end and he looks at this hat, picks it up, says, ooh, and this is the worst looking hat. What do you get, a free bowl of soup? And he turns to see the the his Club antithesis, president. right? Yeah. The, his mortal enemy from the instant that they meet. Ooh, this is the worst looking hat. And Ted Knight's wearing it. And he's like, oh, but it looks good on you. And he turns his head and rolls. His <laughs> he goes, eyes. You know, oh. and it would be the sort of thing where Rodney Dangerfield in character would, if he was like on stage, he would he would adjust his tie, right. you know, as then that was the joke. You know, right. kind of yeah, yeah, like the hook. And it was just so obnoxious and hilarious. And, and we move from there to the to Judge Smales and his foursome on the first oh, tee. Of course, they're right next to each <laughs> right other. Right next to one another. And Al Trivic is like, let's go while we're young. You know, which. Oh, as a 12-year-old said a million times. See, now this is the first line that you can actually use all the time. All the time. Yeah. But it's got to be. The the issue with some of these quotes in Al Cherovic is it's got to be in Rodney voice. Let's go while we're young. Right? Exactly. Like the, just the jerky, you know, obnoxious. Um, but like what I like about that interaction between Smales and Cherovic right up front is he says, Let's go while we're young. Mind, sir, I'm trying to tee off. Like, he's the snobbery right away. He says, I bet you a slice in the woods, a hundred bucks. And then, you know, we'll finish that quote with... with When we get to Judge Smales. When we get to Judge Smales, that'll be... But that, to me, is another golf course quote 
all the time, <laughs> yes. everywhere you've ever been on a golf course. But uh, and I, you know, I had jumped to the country clubs and cemeteries too. But oh yeah, I think you missed the hook on it. Ask Wang; he'll tell you. We just bought property on the Great Wall, on the good side. <laughs> like. What is the good side of the Great Wall of China? Because <laughs> the other side is Mongolia, actually. So, right. And you like you would just like <laughs> just behind the Great Wall on the good side. On the good side. But he just offers up so many um, great quotes that are really, you could see throughout the whole movie how much of it is improvised one-liners that he pulls out of his own repertoire. Right. Like, yeah, like he he steps at like at dinner. You made reference to this earlier. You know, they're at the the big Saturday night dinner at the at the clubhouse, and you know, and he's regaling his table, and uh, you know, just delivering one lines one liners. Talk about you know, hey, this this meat looks like it still has the marks where the jockey was hitting it. You know, and he does break wind at table, and he says, "Whoa, did somebody step on a duck?" After you like know? three seconds, he just <laughs> lets one rip, and yeah. then of course, twelve year old, this is. Did somebody step on a duck? I mean, <laughs> for the rest of your life. Exactly. Which I'm realizing now that I grew up with that line being delivered by people, you know, when you would hear kind of a fart sound and not recognizing the reference point. Either that was something in my mind that dad's just said, <laughs> but now I'm realizing that it probably actually came from this film, yeah. you know? Oh man, it's yeah. <laughs> certainly dads say it now because we're the dads, right? <laughs> right. It it was just so obnoxious and awful, and and then he rolls into the country club dinner. That's all you know. Playing. What's funny is this is a side note that I picked up. I don't know, maybe a year ago when I was watching. It. Oh, on viewing number two sixty one. Yeah, it was uh, they open into the country club and they're playing the orchestra music. They're playing Moonglow. Yes. Which is a song that was my parents' first dance oh my at their wedding almost sixty seven years ago. They were had been married. And so when I was doing a, a video for their uh one of their anniversaries, that we used Moonglow in there. <laughs> it had to be Moonglow. So I, I find that I mean there's a there's right. this, it's the movie it, is just a gift that keeps on giving. Well, and that would be perfect for the crowd that would be hanging out at a Saturday night country club dance anyways. Right. And, right? and you, you know, Judge Schmales is wearing this he's jacket. Wearing a jacket. Yeah, he's wearing a jacket that was given to him by the, the you know, the course master at uh, St. Andrews. Yeah. Because there they call it golf without, without yeah. an L. Right. <laughs> now well, we're getting into yeah, Judge Schmales. Don't Smales. walk over our Judge Schmales episode. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of other material. Don't but worry. Rodney comes in and just tears the whole scene up with like... This is this is what I got that I had to say. A uh, he goes into the country club, talks to Denunzio, who is also a bartender. On top of it, he's clearly working twelve jobs, right? And he says, "Hey, can you make a bull shot?" And Denunzio shoots back at him, "Can you make a shoe smell?" <laughs> oh, you're very funny, very funny. When do you do back in Boys Town? <laughs> which is which is actually an amalgam because right, right. That's too because that, that takes place on that the, takes place on the yeah. golf course. But yeah, um, I actually looked up a bullshot drink just to to see what that was, and uh, I, now I realize our our mutual friend Father Bill Daly loves these things. Oh, or at least a, he drinks like the bloody, bloody bull. It's like a bloody mary. It's like it's like well, a bullshot is actually yeah, just beef consomme and a little salt and then you know like vodka. Oof. So I mean, it sounds terrible. But on the other hand, you know, on the other hand, it gives you some protein. Who's asking for beef consomme at the country club bar? 
<laughs> the same guy who it. can make a shoe smell. <laughs> the same guy who can make a shoe smell. I love uh, at that same dinner, uh, Al Trevick, again, talking to uh, Judge Smales' wife. Oh, this is your wife, huh? A lovely lady. Hey, baby, you must have been something before electricity. <laughs> Just and, come and on. And then on the dance floor, we say, hey, you know, cuts in on his on his wife and then says, hey, how'd you like to make $14? The hard way. Like, <laughs> He's just, he knows no limit to his obnoxiousness. He really doesn't. You wonder what his character motivation was, in a way. I mean, that's really thinking too much into it, but... I've heard, I've met somebody who actually had dinner with him, Oh, with the real Rodney? With the real Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. And said, you think it's a character, but it's not. It's not. It's just who he is. Well, you wonder, he was always on, though, knowing that when he's with other people, right? Right. But it wasn't like any official dinner. It was just sort of a side, like... Uh, a a Wednesday he, night. Yeah. Maybe the, chicken nuggets. Maybe the character overcame him. Maybe. I mean, yeah. this is just who yeah. he was. He was just doing material. Yeah. I mean, to the point Bits. where he's walking around the table and he's like, oh, lovely kid, beautiful kid. Now I know why tigers eat their young. Like, <laughs> Exactly. It's just, he's so, just, so obnoxious. And he was, I mean, he was brought on because of those lines, though, right? I mean, this is the, the thing. And it's actually, in some ways, the genius of this film is that, yes, it's a story about kids, but they realized, you know, I mean, originally the vision was, it was a story about the, the kids, but they, they brought in these stars to put a little appeal, because who's going to see a movie about snobbery? Right. You know, um, you at know, least you, you take away these actors and the comedy part of it and it turns into like breaking away with Dennis Quaid. <laughs> right. Kids, you know, coming up, just past coming of age, trying to make something of their selves. Right. 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 And it, it just wouldn't be the same. And, and just not, I mean, not written by the National Lampoon guys. Exactly. And that's the thing is, so this movie was pitched as Animal House on a Golf Course. <laughs> so <laughs> when you when you view it that way, you're like, well, of course, they've got to bring in, you know, a couple people to, to keep the zaniness up. Right. Right. And, you know, Al Chervik does it just all throughout. He's just incredible on, again, I just say so many of these things all the time all the that time, I don't yeah. even know. And there is the scene where he's talking to Denunzio where he's picking up his bag and he notices that Denunzio's like three siblings are also caddies. He's like, oh, what is this, a family affair? And he rips off one of the nastiest lines in the movie. That's really pretty nasty. Yeah. But, you know, in the 80s, you could say things like, oh, I hear for Italians, they consider this skilled labor. (laughs) And so... I've said that quite a lot in my life <laughs> to some Italian friends, and I always, you know, buffet it with, don't worry, that's just a Caddyshack line. Yeah. I apologize for insulting your ethnicity, but, uh, and usually, you know, it is very skilled labor what they're doing. But um, I don't know, I've always just, for whatever reason, that one sticks with me. Yeah, I it jumped out at me this time. Uh, on this most recent viewing, and I was like, wow, that, yeah, that is rough. It's kind of a Blazing Saddles moment. It is. Right? It is. Um, but also, you know, just the, the, you fast forward to them, you know, on the golf course and thousand bucks, you miss the putt. And he's like, I owe you nothing. And he <laughs> says, that's okay. You can owe me. Um, but they come up to the big scene towards the end of the thing where they've got a match play because they had a bit pretty bad interaction at the club the night before where you know judge smales is saying what are you going to try and 
you'll never be a member here. And he's like, I'd never, I'd never be a member here. I'm just thinking about buying this place <laughs> and turn it into condos. And this uh, place sucks. This place sucks. So, so, so. Okay. I don't, yeah, again, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. using George Smales up too much, but, uh, so they get out in the golf course and Brian Doyle Murray is playing Lou, who is the caddy master, which is modeled after his own caddy master when he was a caddy in Illinois, right? Okay. And his the caddy master's name actually was Lou. Lou. So, you know, he's playing this guy and he's like, you know, we don't have a lot of room in for Brian Doyle Murray quotes, but he's like, just so we all know. We may have to have a meta episode of just Brian Doyle Murray films because Christmas Vacation, Vacation, Caddyshack. Oh, I mean, absolutely. He, and those are all films we've already done. And he rolls off a bunch of good lines in yeah, all of them. Yeah, he does. But he says, you know, um, just everybody is admitting to, I have no part in this illegal activity because they, <laughs> right. it's, they're all spending or they're going to gamble $10,000 a player. Right. At that point, it was a $40,000 At that match. point. Yeah. And then it, you know, it increases, increases. And uh, Rodney Dangerfield, after Brian Doyle Murray makes a statement, you know, on the sly, hands him some money and says, keep it fair, keep it fair. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Lou says, oh no, I could never, as he's pocketing the money, like he's actually he's like, folding oh, it never, and putting it in like, his oh, money. Oh no, I would yeah, never. Yeah. And he puts the yeah, money in his yeah, pocket anyway. So Which... I used uh, uh, as a line on our good friend, Father Bill Daly, <laughs> right before his first mass. <laughs> I handed him a coin, a token, and said, keep it fair, keep it fair. <laughs> so that, oh. it's always usable and in a exactly. lot of different situations, kids. I love it. This is, <laughs> oh, man. I remember to this day saying that to him <laughs> before his first mass. Well, we're going to uh, go ahead and we're going to have to wrap it up I know. real quick because we're at our time limit. I know, but there's we've one. We've got three more of these. I know. There's one last one that you're just going to love. That's, again, usable. Uh, Al Chervik is having the worst game of his life. Mm -hmm. He hits the ball into a ball washer. It bounces back and hits his arm. And he looks around and he starts <laughs> flinging his arm around and says, Ooh, my arm. I think it's broken. <laughs> That, I mean, if yeah. you've never said that in your life, <laughs> to try and get out of something that you're super committed to, well, I that mean, involves money. You committed full time. I mean, you're like, ooh, my ankle, I think it's broken. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> my ankle, it's broken. No, it's, uh, but Al Chervik, he, again, early. he is the first love of this movie yeah. and always yeah. will be my first love of Caddyshack. I love it. Love Al Chervik. When we uh, when we come back for the next episode, then we're going to pick up the convo with uh, Ty Webb. So I love it. Just putting at night. <laughs>